Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. John chapter 8 verse 14 reads as follows. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. Based on what this read to you, I'm going to talk to you from this topic. I must know Christ in order to be able to consistently follow him. Part two. First thing I want to say to you is knowledge is awareness and consciousness of spiritual and natural information from a teacher, experiences, and such like. We are grateful for the spirit of truth in John 16 and 13 that is constantly teaching and guiding us into greater knowledge. In fact, go with me to John 16, verse 13. Now, we won't just skip over the scriptures. We will read the scriptures because I want you to get, remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing about the word of God. Is that right? John 16 and 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. And so the spirit of truth will continue to guide us into all truth. Jeremiah 3 and 15. Let's go over there quickly. Jeremiah 3 and verse 15. It reminds us the importance of knowledge as well as understanding when it comes to God, when it comes to God's plans for our life. Jeremiah 3 and 15. Knowledge is, of course, the knowledge of God and his word. And, of course, your mind would never compliment everything about God, but God would direct you toward the very uh, facts, the information, the revelation that will be beneficial to your spiritual growth and development. You understand that God knows everything. There's not, there's not a subject matter God doesn't know. But God will not just phone you any type of information. He will give you information that's going to be beneficial to your spiritual growth and development. So Jeremiah 3, 15 reads as follows. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So shepherds according to God's heart are going to feed the sheep with knowledge and understanding. That's why it's important for us when we when God created shepherds and pastors that we that my job as well as others is to feed the sheep. Feed means to teach, to tend to, to govern uh, the sheep with knowledge and understanding. Understanding is they have insight to give attention to, to wisely understand as well as prosper. When you understand, you put yourself in a position to prosper God's type of way. That's what we understand based on Psalms. 119 and 105. Let's go to Psalms 119 and 105. Psalms 119 and 105. Excuse me. When we read this word here, we need to understand when we get knowledge and understanding, this is a light to us. This is illumination to us. This is exposure to us. And that's why Psalms 119 and 105 reads as follows. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light light to my path. So the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Path means the direction that we're going in. It lights it up for us. 
And it's important that it lights it up for us because natural eyesight will not see the dangers that will come your way through your pathway. And it takes the spirit of God to give you spiritual insight into what is important in your life that God will make you aware of. That's how we know how to pray is because God gives a spiritual insight. That's how we know how to give because God gives a spiritual insight. That's why we can discern when there is an individual in our pathway that is a, listen, they got sheep clothing on, but in, inwardly they are a wolf. That is because of the light. And God's word sheds light on our understanding of who he is as well as who we are in him. The more of the word of God that we have insight on and we can apply in our life, the better we are to see Jesus and to know who Jesus is. And that's important to us because Jesus explained to us in John 8 and 12. Let's go to John 8 and 12. He explained this to us in John 8 and 12 that he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. Remember, we, we really dealt with this a lot last week. That he is the light of the world. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about it today, but I won't go into great detail like we did last week. But I, I want us to understand a little bit more about the light because we need to understand where God was coming from when he makes the statement when he, a little bit later on that he is the true witness. That's like he knows where he came from. He knows where he's going. Why did he say that? Well, John 8 and 12 gives a little insight of that. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. Light means exposure, illumination. It also means truth and knowledge. It also means the power of understanding. It also means moral and spiritual truth. According to John 8 and 12. So he says, he is the light of the world. Remember the important thing we learned about this. He is not the light of another world. He is the light of this world that we live in. And that's important because we need insight into the world that we live in. Light can be is wonderful in heaven, but I need the light to get me to heaven. Are y'all seeing the difference there? I need exposure. I need illumination. I need for God to show me the way in order to get to heaven. Remember one of the examples we used last week was is that if an individual turns on a light in another room and I'm sitting in darkness, that light does me no good. I need to be in the room where the light comes on it so I can see what's around me. I can see if there is a snake around me. I can see if there is uh, ungodly things around me. But it also exposes me to the greatness of God all around me. See, sometimes you can't see the greatness of God because you've never been exposed to it. But when you get exposed that he's a healer, that he's a deliverer, that he's a way maker, that he, God can give you peace that passes all understanding, you get exposed that you got a better understanding of what God can do through you in your life. That's why we need is God to help us navigate through our daily decision making and choices that we have while here on the earth. That's why he is the light of the world. The world is the world that we live in right now. And I appreciate the fact that he is the light of the world. We need him to help us to navigate through, around people who may come to be more of a hindrance in our lives than a help. We need his light. 
Many of us can agree that Jesus came to help us before we realized that we needed help. Even before Jesus explained how he was here to help us, we can read in scripture how his ministry was helping people. Was it working? How he showed kindness and compassion to the woman caught in adultery. Go with me, uh, with John chapter 8. Look at John chapter 8, verse 3. And we're going to read down to verse 11. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. And when they had continued at Asking him, he yet he raised himself up and said to them, "He who excuse me, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Didn't say adultery. Just if you you committed no sin, throw a stone at her. If you committed no sin, throw a stone at her." And it's amazing to me the number of people that you may run across on a day-by-day basis that have committed plenty of sins, but they got no problem throwing a stone. Look how y'all looking at me, though. They have committed sin after sin, but when you mess up as a Christian, they want to throw a stone at you. They want to accuse you of all types of different things. But, Lord, I digress. But anyway, verse... um, Let's keep on reading. Verse 8. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And when Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are thou accusers of yours? He has, has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Even though she was caught in adultery, this is what you need to understand. Never forget, she was probably guilty of adultery. But Jesus saw her and had mercy upon her. He had compassion upon her. And this is what you read over in Psalms 136 and verse 1. Go to Psalms 136 and verse 1. The reason that I, that I think this is so fascinating or powerful, in my opinion, is this, is that she was guilty, but yet Jesus did not uh, condemn her of the very act that she was caught in. Because the people that caught her were actually guilty of sin themselves. They had a tendency to put certain weight on certain sins, but never forget about the things that were going on in their own personal life. But when Jesus told them, listen, anybody without sin, let them cast the first stone. In other words, if you, you might have lied on somebody. You may be in unforgiveness with somebody. You may have uh, committed all types of other sins. Listen, don't just look at the adultery. You got to look at yourself and the things that you do as well. And sometimes we got to look at ourselves and to see the things that we do and let God, listen, Listen, let us have compassion and mercy on others just like Jesus has compassion and mercy on us right now. Let let him do that. So Psalms 136 and verse 1 
reads as follows. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. See, this reminds us of God's kindness toward us, even while we're in the midst of our personal situations. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy, mercy uh, means his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness endures forever. And I like this definition here. We don't get what we deserve. We don't get what we deserve. That's good. That's God. But I'm glad I don't get what I deserve. Thank y'all for the five amens. I saw some of y'all. You ain't got to say that. I see your facial expression. You understand we don't get what we deserve. And I appreciate the fact that God is merciful to us. Even when we get uh quote unquote punishment, because those that he loved, those he chastised, we don't get the full blunt of what he could have given us. Oh, we don't get the full measure of what we could have got because his mercy endures forever. And I'm sure many of you like me, the more we follow Jesus, the more of his attributes are exposed to us on a personal level. Jesus is uh, showed them his mercy. He showed the Pharisees. He showed the woman. He showed his disciples. He showed them around them that he was merciful. Yeah, she was guilty, but God was merciful. He showed it to them around them. And God, that's why he says, I'm the light of the world. And he, I'm showing you something about me that you did not know before. But yet now I'm showing it to you. And when I show it to you, have Show compassion on somebody else. Because what I show you is not just for me, it's for you as well. When I show you love, show love to somebody else. When I show mercy, you show mercy to somebody else. When I pray for you, I want you to pray for somebody else. The more I show you, the more I want you to do. Are y'all following me here? That's what he did for his disciples. That's what he's doing for us right now. Back to your notes. As we follow the Holy Spirit as he is the main influence in our lives, we're able to better understand and appreciate the benefits that comes with God's mercy, the advantages, the increase that comes from his mercy. And as we continue to gain knowledge and understanding of scriptures, we recognize that the Pharisees and the scribes are on a mission to trap Jesus in his words as well as his actions. Trap means to put in a situation where people lie and wait to make a surprise attack. They wanted to trap Jesus in his words as well as his actions. Because you know they did not need Jesus to stone her, right? They brought her to Jesus to trap him in his words. But yet, they did not even need Jesus in order to trap him. I mean, excuse me, to stone her. But they said, I'm gonna, we're going to mess him up by bringing a woman that was caught in the very act. But Jesus decided, look, I'm going to mess. Listen, you know, you can't smart, Jesus. You know that, right? You ain't smart as Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I got something for them. They trying to trap me. I'm going to trap them. Ooh-wee. And that's what Jesus would do. People, listen, that's why the Bible says, no weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper. Then you know what? The thing is, we're not smart enough to get out, get out of that trap. But Jesus is. That's why when he says something, when we quote scripture like that, we're not looking for us to get ourselves out of the situation. We're looking for God, amen, to get us out of what we got ourselves into. If God don't do it, we can't be done. If God don't do it, I still fall for the whatever they tell me. I fall for their lies, their manipulation, and so forth. I need God to get me out of the trap. 
Tell somebody, I need God to get me out of the trap. Oh, yeah, I can't get out of this trap on my own. I got, I need God to get me out. Because if I don't do it, I'll be spending more money than I need to. Lord, if I don't do it, those people will manipulate the situation on baby hands. But God has said no weapon that is formed against them shall be able to prosper. Listen, if you didn't, listen, if you didn't have God, you might not be working where you at because the devil don't like you working on that job because you are the light of the world. A city that cannot be hid on a hill. That's why God got you working where you working. That's why God got you in the place where he got you in. That's why God got you in your family because you are a light and the devil don't like for you to be a light. Because when you are light, oh my God, can you see how the God can be? People are drawn to the light. You know what the light is? The light represents Jesus. The light represents you got an opportunity to be born again. The light represents an opportunity for you to go to heaven. The light represents you for to change the way you think, the way you talk, and the way you act. You're going to start acting more like Jesus. You're going to start acting more like the king. Because I believe that's why when we encounter people on our Christian journey who will come in our lives and the purpose of catching us off guard and our faith for we got to be careful. That's why 1 Peter 5 and 8. Let's go to 1 Peter 5 and 8. There is an enemy out there. And we know we read in John 10 that the enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober, be diligent, because your adversary. Now notice what Peter says. He is your adversary. It's personal. And I, I like to think like this. If the enemy considers you a threat, you got an adversary. I don't have an adversary, Pastor. Well, you might not be a threat. But if you're a threat, you got an adversary. If you can change a life and cause them to be better, you an adversary. If you a person that opposes uh, individuals who are, if you oppose the things of the uh, of the devil, you an adversary. If you believe in the light of the world, then you are an adversary to darkness. If you are an adversary, oh my! Let me throw some at you. This was in my devotion day. This is messed my mind up. This messed my mind up. The Bible talks about. That a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, and then it went on to say, a person evil, a person of evil has a treasure as well. I said, what you say? I said, hold on, God, let me look at this again. So the good person got a treasure, and the evil person considers what they do as a treasure. You know what that means? That means that evil folks value what they do. They value what they do. I mean, can you think about this? When folks do bad, they like doing bad. They like doing bad. You know what? Because sometimes you can say I I was forced to do some stuff, but you can't. Most of the time when we do bad stuff, it's voluntary. It's voluntary. I Listen, I did some bad stuff in my day, and I can't blame the devil. I can't blame uh, folks. I can't blame the color of my skin. I can't blame society. I can't blame nobody. It was me. 
I paid the money. I drove there. I did this and I did that. It was me doing it. And I can't blame nobody else except me. That's why I appreciate his mercy this morning. Because his mercy, they said, yeah, I know you wanted to do it, dog. Because the woman that was calling adultery, I know she wanted to do it. But you know what Jesus said? Have mercy on her. Yeah, I know she wanted to do it, but have mercy on her. And God had mercy on her. But you know what Jesus told at the end? Go and sin no more. Don't value this evil stuff that you're doing. Don't value it. Oh, let me get back to the text. I got excited about that. Okay, let's go back. Now, be First Peter five verse eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, look seeking whom he may devour. So this reminds us that we got to be vigilant, sober, and diligent. Sober means to be watchful, be calm and collected. Got to be watchful, cause you got an adversary. You got to be vigilant. Give strict attention to, be cautious, be watchful. You got to be sober and diligent because you got an adversary. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Devour means to destroy, and this definition is so vital to swallow up. The enemy wants to swallow you up. And see, when he swallows you up, that's why the, uh, Jesus said the enemy desires to. That the devil desires to sift you as wheat. But I pray for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. We need to understand that the enemy desires to sift us here and overcome his Christian center as wheat. But God says this, I pray for you, that your faith faileth not. Thank God that your faith not going to fail. Tell somebody your faith not going to fail. Oh, your faith not going to fail. Your faith not going to fail. That's why we must know who we are in Christ. We got to know who we are in Christ. Because the enemy is trying to use people today just as he was during that day for the, the Pharisees and the scribes. Amen. To try to make accusations about Jesus and his children. That's why Jesus knew who he was. And what was interesting about it, the woman that got caught didn't know who she was but Jesus knew who she was. This is what you need to know. You may not know who you are, but pray that God knows who you are. When he knows who you are, you're going to be all right. Because God will get you out of your dilemma. He'll help you to become who God called, God called for you to be. I thank God that he knew me before I knew me. Watch this. He knew me while I was doing evil. He knew me. He knew me, but while I was in unforgiveness, he knew me when I was bitter. He knew me when I was prideful. He knew me when I was operating in sin. He knew me. How do you know he knew me, Pastor Dobbs? Because he saved me, changed me, and is making me who he wants me to be. He's not just doing it for me, but look at that person in the blue beside you. Look at that person in the black beside you. Look at that person in the orange beside you. Look at that person in the brown beside you. God is changing them too to make them into who he called for them to be. They don't even know who they are yet. But God knows who they are. And if God knows who they are, and if God has them on their heart, if God has them on their mind, he is changing them into something that they don't even know who they are yet. 
Did you know? Can I share something else with you? Because we just did marriage marriage this morning. When I was a boyfriend, thought I was a player from the Himalayas. God said, I'm making him a husband. I didn't know it, but who knew it? God knew it. Because I thought I had it down. I had my Himalaya car. I had my T-shirt. And I had my hat. I had a pair of jeans to go on. Jordash. I'm sorry. I give myself away. I give myself away. I'm sorry. Yumbo Jordan, what's a Jordan gene? Some some of the old some of the old school folk there, they know exactly what I'm talking about. We thought we, thought we were playing some money with some jeans then they were. At least our jeans they have holes in it. <laughs> Pay the same amount of money for holes in the jeans. I had them, then it cost me nothing. <laughs> That's, that's different. Let me get out of that. But God knew who I was. God knew who I was even then. This is what you got to understand. God knows who you are now for where he's taking you. That's why you don't really know who you are yet. You think you know who you are. You think you know who you are. But God is making you into something special. In fact, tell two or three people, God is making you something special, something great, something unique. Fearfully and wonderfully made, God is making you. He's making you. He's making you. That's why we're, we're born again, some blood-washed, uh, Bible-believing children of the Most High God. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. Go to First Peter 1 and 9. First Peter chapter one verse nine. Oh, excuse me. First Peter two and nine. I'm sorry, two and nine. First Peter two and nine. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Tell somebody you're special. Now, if anybody wonder if you're special or not, then tell them the Bible says I'm special. Let me say this to you. you. If you get up in the morning, nobody says you're special. Just read this scripture and let people know you're special. Oh, I know I may be a, this is what you got. Oh, thank you, Lord. I, I hear two or three thoughts running through my head. Watch this. The woman that was caught in adultery was special. Even though she may not have acted like she was special. Y'all see the text? A special person is somebody that really don't even know they're special yet, but God says you're special. You know God didn't die for nobody who was junk, who was dumb, who was somebody that he would throw to the side. He died for special people like yourself. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I did. He knew what the woman did. And he said, you're special. Can you know? So you know what? Well, Pastor, I didn't do nothing bad there. Oh, but you did some stuff. Because you know what? That's why he said, those without sin, let them cast the first song. Oh, you, you? Mm, special people. First Peter 2 and 9. His own, I like his own special people that you may proclaim to praise from him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous What's that last word there? Light. Who is the light of the world? Jesus. Who called us to this marvelous light? Jesus. Who saved us? Jesus. Who delivered us? Jesus. Who protected us? Jesus. Who prospered us? Jesus. Is his marvelous light. 
It's not the world's mind because we need his life in the world. I need him when I make decisions. I need him when I'm in relationships. I need him when I'm on my job and I got to deal with all this darkness around me. I need light. Oh, because you don't understand something. Just because it's bright and sunny outside don't mean there ain't darkness around you. Don't listen. You got a hundred watt bulb in your house. You got light, but yet there could be darkness at your house. You in a job and they got all kinds of bulbs at your job. They got an open window. The sun is shining through your desk, but you might be sitting with somebody in darkness. Cause darkness is real. Darkness is something you gotta watch out for. I wish, I wish, I wish because y'all are precious people. Bible says you're special people. You don't have to deal with darkness. But let me say this to you. If you live long enough, you have to deal with darkness. When you, listen, you might leave inside to go by the store. You have to, you may have to deal with some darkness. Inside, I'm finna, I'm finna go by and buy me some groceries. You may have to deal with some darkness. You may say, I'm gonna go by a restaurant and me and go get something to eat, but you may have to deal with darkness. And, but you can't let darkness stomp out the light. Cause he is the light of the world. Sometimes you may have to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Why? Cause you got light in you. You got light in you. You may have to deal with your family, but you got light in you. You got the light of the world. That's why also the Bible says, says we are the head and not the tail. Go to Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13. Deuteronomy 28 and 13. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You should be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. So he says this, I will make you the head and not the what? And you should be above only and not what? What you gotta understand something, you could be in a tail, in a, in a tail state, tail mindset, and a beneath mindset. But God said, I'm making you the head. I'm making you, I'm making you above. I'm making you. And so God making all of us in here. This is what you gotta understand. You may start out there, but you ain't, you're not gonna end up there. You may start out there, but you're not gonna end up there. Tell somebody, you may start out there, but you're not gonna end up there. This is what you understand. You go, you are not going to end up there. I know because everybody in the most people I know started out as some form of a negative situation. But God is making you. This is why God doesn't give up on his sheep. He knows. That's why we must know who we are in Christ. Got to know who we are. Back to your notes. We must also know and understand who Jesus is based on John 14, verse 6. Let's go to John 14, verse 6. We got to know, the main one we got to know is Jesus. I may know you, but I really got to know Jesus. That's why Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those three characteristics that he has just revealed to his people. I'm the way, one, truth, two, life, three. I just revealed it to us. When he says, I'm the way, the pathway, the truth, what is true in any matter, under any circumstance, and life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. No one comes to the Father except through him. 
He's the only way to true deliverance, peace, prosperity, and wholeness. He's the way. I'm a, listen, you can try it another way, but this, it would not give you what Jesus gives you. Many religions base things on works or other factors that you can do or may not can do. But God's grace keeps us in this, in this position. Because when you come up short, you need grace. When you come up short, you need mercy. How many thank God for God's grace and mercy? Woo. Without saying that, how many can admit if, you, if, if God's grace and mercy would have been in your life? You, you, I ain't got to finish it, do <laughs> you got Because you know, whatever it is, God's grace and mercy. The enemy will, will strategically place people in our pathway to make acquisitions about Jesus and his followers simply because we name the name of Jesus. Let's go back over to John 18 and verse 13. John 8 and verse 13. The Pharisee therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Interesting. He, bear, he, he told them something about himself. And they told him that he was lying, which is interesting within itself. Uh, that's why the Pharisees accused Jesus of being a false witness, a false witness, a witness to somebody that affirms what has been said or heard or experienced, what a person knows because of what has been taught or divine revelation. A witness is somebody can give testimony, a, a witness is somebody who can give a good report. But Jesus, they accused Jesus of being a false witness concerning himself, concerning himself, which is interesting in itself. That's why one tactic of the world is make a person or organization that is true look false because of their own personal convictions. As seen by those who challenge our Savior's beliefs, actions, and confessions of faith. Remember now. He had just exposed them. They had brought a woman who had committed adultery to him. He had just exposed them to, hey, those without sin, let them cast the first song. They start dropping stones and walking away. Because they may not commit adultery, but they had did something. Now, what's, when you're being accused of something, if you got the power to do it, you want to make the person that accused you of something Look false, or in this case, a false witness. So in turn, if they lied about that, they can they lied about you, because this is what you need to understand. When individuals are in your life, and 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 see, sometimes your life will you ain't got to say much. Sometimes just living the life that Jesus called you to live will cause some people to feel convicted. But what makes them feel better about themselves is. Oh, you do what I do. They want to make you look bad, so in turn, they can feel bad about what they do, good about what they do. And so they tried to make Jesus look bad because they were the ones who brought the woman caught in adultery but couldn't throw any stone because they would still look bad for bringing her new and they did all the stuff that they had did. So now I got to make Jesus look bad because he looking good making me look bad because you got to understand something. Back then, they didn't have seen any false news, but something went on. Everybody went, look, 
Oh, okay. Y'all brought the woman to adoption. Let's see what Jesus do. Well, he pick up a stone and throw it at her. Oh, okay. Y'all can't throw no stone because y'all are messed up too, huh? Okay, I got to make Jesus look bad now. And they try to make him look bad. Okay, what you say? I'm the light of the world. No, you lie. Okay, Jesus said, I got something for you. I got something for you. So now, oh, before I go there, before I go there. Let's, let's read John 8, 9 first. Let's, let's look at what I'm talking about here. John verse 8, verse 9. Then those who had heard it, watch this, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Every accuser that brought the woman to Jesus had to drop the stone because they, they could ready to stone him. And this is what you got to understand. The people that were getting ready to stone her had probably stoned people before. This wasn't their first stoning experience. They knew exactly if they threw enough rocks at her, they would hit her. In fact, some people probably didn't like her no way. They can't wait to throw a stone at her. Look how y'all look at her. You let people throw stones at you because they like you? You're their favorite person? Now, people throw stones at you in your job because they really don't like you. People throw stones at you in your family because they really just don't like you. And they may not like you, but they don't like the Jesus in you. When you go on a job, you're bringing Jesus with you. When you go in your family, you're bringing Jesus with you. When you go at God to eat, you're bringing Jesus. When you start praying at your table, everybody ate their food. They look over there at you. I, oh, I should have prayed too. I just came from church. I should have prayed too. Really? Somebody got to remind you to pray over your food? I don't care where I go. I'm praying over my food. I could be eating with the president, the governor, or whoever. I'm praying over my food. I love my mama, but I'm praying over my food before I eat my mama's food. <laughs> I'm praying over food. So I pray before I eat. But so people that don't pray, because you know, time to plate is coming toward them. They got the fork in hand ready to grab. And when time they hit the time, time the, the corner of the plate start hitting the table, they have already grabbed some potatoes out there with the fork, and they already eaten them before it could get down good. And has said one, thank you, Jesus. I prayed while the food was coming. That's what I prayed. I prayed while it was coming. I prayed in Jesus' name, bless this food for it came. But the point is, they wanted to make Jesus look bad. Because they, listen, they had just messed up. Because they didn't have to bring him to Jesus. I imagine some person that had that idea. Oh, y'all, hey, let's trap Jesus, y'all. Let's take, let's take the woman to Jesus and see what he does. I'm, we'll get him this time. Oh, we got him. We got him. Because she was caught in adultery. It wasn't like they thought about it. This was something she had did. They thought they were clear. But Jesus, he put the, put it back on them. And so now, oh, let me, let me read a few things to you real quick. He tells me John 8, 14, that his witness is true. See, I'm true about what I say about myself. I'm true by giving this woman mercy. I'm true when I give you mercy. I'm true when I tell people, hey, yeah, I know they did it, but I forgive them. 
It's true when I said, I go to a prayer place for them, that where I am, there may be also. It's true that I was born of a, of a virgin named Mary. It's true. And so when I tell you I'm the light of the world, that's true as well. So when Jesus tells us something, he just don't tell us something off the top of his head. He is the omniscient guy. He knows everything. He knows everything about every situation. So when God deals with your heart through a message, when he deals with your heart through a devotion time, you know he's dealing with something that's real. When God deals with you, when you get ready to go down the road and God begins to deal with you about you, hey, you know you should have cussed her out. You know that's real for God. You know we try to know it, but sometimes look, we can leave the scene of the crime, the scene where we just cussed everybody out. We felt good too, walking out the door. I told them all off. I tell you, they'll never mess with me again. I tell you what, I am the man. I tell you why, I tell them all off. And when you get out, God starts dealing with your heart when you get quiet. You know, God will wait till you calm down. You'll calm down because, you know, you, you feeling good about yourself. All of a sudden, you calm down. And God said something like, you know, you should have did that. What you mean? They did me wrong. Y'all ain't never said that. Thank you. I might be the only one. I'm sorry. They did me wrong. I'm the victim here, God. I am justified in telling them folks off. And God be saying, Look what I took for you. Well, listen, even if you, you confronted them, and I told you to confront them, why you got such a hostile attitude in confronting them? Why can't you go and just talk to them like two, hum, two human beings supposed to? Well, I had to get my point across, God. You know how it is. Y'all never had, oh, I, I, I'm about the only one to talk to God like that. Had to get my point across to him, God. Well, could, don't you think I could have did that for you? By you just doing like I t- instructed you to do? I, listen, like I told you to do, couldn't I have gotten the point across a whole lot better than you trying to be hostile and trying to be the man or the woman up in that situation? Couldn't God have gotten the point across a whole lot better if you'll follow the all-knowing God? How do you know that somebody in that room wasn't hurting, going through their own personal thing? And all they would do, listen, I could have changed their heart. And listen, instead of you just getting back your money, they could have gave you a free coupon. You'd have been going, listen, you could have got a free meal and a dessert. But now, you tell, y'all went out here in 15 minutes. I want mine free. I don't know what y'all are doing. Y'all serve that person before y'all serve me. I'm going to cut a seed up in here. But instead of you say, hey, let's just talk about this. As the Lord guides you, I'm going to make a scene. And now, instead of you just getting a free meal, okay, they cop your meal. They say, well, you can't come back to the store no more. And I'll be the same with you. You can't come back up in here no more. They might have just copped your meal and then gave you free dessert. And then, why? Because we sometimes can get ahead of the God because of what we think is right and what's wrong and how we should have been treated. And these individuals here say, hey, you know what? Jesus has been, listen, he had just showed us up. He did, And now I'm going to say what he's telling you is false, and he's saying what I'm telling you is true. It's without error 
It's nothing false. It's true under any circumstance in John 8, 14. Based on my mind and experience with court proceeding, if you want to win a case, you better have a person who can testify what is truthful and reliable. You want to lie folks up there in your court, I'm on your side. Because they do check the background of the people that they testify. Y'all know that, right? They call you up there. They're going to say, hey, let's test, let's check that person's testimony. Let's check this person's testimony. Let's, I remember one time I was in a case and I, I, I had a guy that was uh, almost, uh, almost an hour. He was an hour away. It's pretty close to it. And you know what? They said, it's better if we don't use this person. You know why? Because of his background. He's known for lying. I mean, that's what they told me. They said, hey, you put him on the stand. He might, what he saw was probably true, but they're going to bring up the number of times this person had lied in the past. I said, okay then. Even though this person saw what was happening, they would not let this person testify because the number of lies this person had told in the past. And so this is sometimes when you get a situation like that. When people hear what you're saying, it makes it of no effect when you're a known liar. None effect. This is what you see when we we know the, the Pharisees had a problem with choosing truth over traditional based on Mark 7, 19, 9 through 13. That made the word of God no effect because of their tradition. But you know, you can be careful that you do not choose God's word over people, relationships, career moves, etc. We don't want anything to separate from the principles in this word. And people who find themselves consistently operating in error or consistently oppose the teaching of Jesus will not agree with the spirit of truth. And they may even oppose us as well, just like they oppose Jesus in this particular case. That's why it's difficult. It can be difficult to take advantage that comes being God by the spirit of truth in John 16, 13. We're going to constantly be in conflict with Jesus. Just like these Pharisees and Sadducees were in conflict with Jesus. We cannot be in conflict with the master. Because how can you follow somebody who you're in constant conflict with? It's hard to follow somebody who you're in constant conflict with. How can you take advantage of everything they have for you when you're in constant conflict with it how can you do the things that you do when you're in constant conflict with them but how many know that when you agree with god you can receive the benefits of god you can receive the benefits when you are in agreement with what god has for your life and then we will discuss later what happens when they what they should have done as opposed to what they did do all right Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.